As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready, kids? Get your parents' permission, check your mailbox, and grab your shopping cart. It's time for the Adventures in Collecting podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Dave. Welcome Welcome to to Adventures Adventures in Collecting, where we talk toy news, culture, and hauls, along with our journeys as collectors. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adventures in Collecting. Welcome back, everybody. We're back. We're back, and we're 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 back with another episode, Dave. It feels like it's just it's it's becoming the regular thing that we don't have to bury the lead anymore. Yeah, there's there's just not necessary. Just assume that there is there's a lead we're not burying. Yeah, the 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 interview episodes used to be the special ones, and and now it seems like the uh, the the episodes where it's just you and I are <laughs> are, qu- are quickly becoming the. Uh, the 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 one-off episode so uh you know of course if you're you're here you probably read the description for the episode but uh migo is a toy company with a long history having created countless iconic toys representing a multitude of properties going all the way back to 1954 joining us today along with friend of the pod kenneth siemens from think threefold we have dr migo himself paul clark and we have the father of modern action figures himself we have Marty Abrams. Marty, Paul, Kenneth, welcome to Adventures in Collecting. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thanks. So, so uh, Marty, before we kind of dig into the, the meat of, uh, of all of the fun things that we, we want to ask you, uh, we ask all of our guests before we get started. And, and you know what, M- Marty and Paul, this one is for both of you. You guys can both answer it. Uh, Kenneth answered it last time. But uh, what are you guys collecting right now? On a personal level, for me, I'm connect- collecting relationships. I've gotten to the point in my life that material things don't mean a whole lot, but people do. And having said that, uh, you know, you get, to, you get to that point where you want to know and meet uh, new people with new ideas, new thoughts, uh, new experiences. Uh, and that, to me, is a full-time chore. And, uh, and, and, and it, even in COVID, in this time where you have limited ability to get out to, to reach out and touch someone, for me, the reality check is doing things like this, meeting you guys, uh, getting out and talking on other, other podcast shows, uh, in, 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 interviews all over the world, by the way. I'm, I'm talking about we've reached out to folks in China, uh, in Europe. And, and that, to me, is the most uh, rewarding part of what we're doing now. 
Awesome. Well, consider us collected. You've you've collected us. Yes. <laughs> we got a pin you on the wall. I've got <laughs> I've got a magnet doodle here <laughs> hang up in my in my toy room, and I'm gonna write your name on it. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Keep, keep us mint on card, please. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You have no idea how prophetic that is. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Paul, what about what about you? What are you collecting? Oh, I'm collecting all the new Migos that we're making. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, when, when people think of, I feel like when people think of Mego toys starting out, they think of, you know, the, the eight inch figures and, and, the, and also the, the, the larger ones, the 14 inch figures um, that you guys have been making since the 1970s. But prior to that, what kind of toys did the company produce? All companies start in a, um, in a micro way. You start off with a small idea. And if that works at some level, it's built upon. And uh, my mom and dad started this coming back, as you said, back in 19, 1954. And in that time, literally, if you could get toys, forget about creating great stuff. If you could get them, they sold. Because you know, you're talking it's after World War II or after the Korean War. There's a shortage on everything across the board. And no one's really doing branded stuff. So they were bringing in stuff from Japan, cars and trucks and dolls, all, all you know, very uh, commodity-type type product. Uh, you know, you talk about minting box or minting card. I mean, the, the original packaging was a corrugated box with maybe a lithographic printed cover. Forget about the, how the packaging is done today. So that was the aspect of what, what they were doing. And everybody had was doing basically the same thing. Uh, if, they, if they brought in a fire engine, obviously the red is what everybody preferred. But if you wanted an exclusive, maybe you got it in blue or you got it in green. And that, that was the aspect of what, 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 what my folks were doing prior to that. Uh, when I came aboard, you know, I came out of NYU with a, a marketing degree. And the first couple of years, I saw the, 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 the painting or the writing on the wall that we're just selling price because every, we, we had the same product that virtually everybody else had with a very little bit of a nuance here, a bell here or a whistle there. Uh, so everything be, became price. I, I knew we had to go out and brand that product that we were doing. Uh, and at that time to put stuff on television was very, very expensive. Uh, and uh, the way down that Brandy road for me, became licensing. And that's how, how that actually opened up. Uh, I was a kid uh, back in 1968 and just about watching the New York Jets as Joe Namath wins the Super Bowl the next year. And uh, we ran to each other over the course of a year in New York. He, he was the same age as I am, going to the same clubs. and It became a perfect segue for me to turn around and do my first license, which was the Joe Namath, uh, the Joe Namath action figure. Uh, and that's how we got, really how we got into it. I knew that was the, the, the path that we had to take. So what other inspirations were there to make the kind of action figure you started producing um, when you took over for your father in 1971? Here's what I knew. I knew that uh, because, we, because we, we did the Joe Namath action figure and literally um, when we all ramped up to 
release the product, having a looking forward to the Christmas sale. Um, <laughs> he turns around, plays a preseason game. Uh, guy was a great athlete. Someone intercepted his pass. He goes down to turn around and tackle him uh, in a preseason game. That's what kind of a competitor he was. And he blows out his knee. By blowing out his knee, he blows out the season. By blowing out the season, it blows out the, the whole product. I knew from that point on we had a we better get into within animate characters in, in terms of that aspect. <laughs> uh, so that's that was my segue into getting into the um uh in, in, into into the action figure area, but into an inanimate uh inanimate objects, uh whether it be comic books, whether it be television, whether it be movies. And uh, and my first venture was because G.I. Joe at that time was a highly successful product in the marketplace and in that area that I was had the affinity for, we turned around, we created a brand called Action Jacks, which, by the way, was, you know, a, a, a reduced version in size of a G.I. Joe, so we could, re we could reduce the cost dramatically. And then we could turn around and build an environment around it that you couldn't actually do with Joe because of, the, because of scale, because if you scaled up a, a Jeep or a tank uh, or a battle wagon, they were, the, they were, they were huge and they were too costly for that time in terms of the cost of plastic and, and the pricing of the marketplace. But on an 8-inch action figure, the scale comes way, way down and you can create the motorcycles uh, and, and, and the vehicles and the environments that work. And so uh, we, went the, we went to the marketplace uh, with, with Action Jackson. We, we had an incredible reception uh, with the product line. We, 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 go, we put it in the market and it starts a really hum and take off. Uh, and then again, you know, we we're, were kids. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, and we, we created these incredible commercials. Uh, they were all animated. First time because of what we were trying to accomplish with the brand. And uh, the National Association of Broadcasters at that time said, you cannot have animated commercials selling to children under the age. I think that, that time was uh, eight or nine or ten. So all our commercials got pulled. So not having the, from going to having this great year, we went to having what we call a flat year. It was a good year. We survived, but it wasn't anywhere near the, 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 the dimension that we would, thought we would have. And so we knew we had to expand that brand and expand it fast. And so from that, that next step was into the licensing. And, and we, were looking, we were looking for a brand that would work. And the first brand that came into our, into our shop that we took a hold of was Batman. Now, Batman wasn't just Batman. It was Batman. It was Robin. Uh, it was the Joker, you know, the Riddler, Miserplex, all the, all the characters, Superman. Uh, so having said that, uh, and knowing that was the place, what we did was because of price, again, because of price point and because of collectability, we stayed the exact same size as Action Jackson. Rather than going to a 12-inch figure that was Joe, which we knew that going under the marketplace and being, being priced Half the price of GI Joe and having a brand like that. And by the way, in those days brands only were only paying five percent royalties. It's not, not like they are today in the fifteen to sixteen percent range for the for places like Marvel or or Lucas. And so we were just you know humming when we, when we the minute that brand launched, it exploded off the shelf. And you know we had so we had the entire the, the entire DC library. It didn't take a genius to figure out if you had DC, you should have Marvel because 
they had the, the you know the, the aligning characters, you know, the Hulk and Spider-Man and Iron Man, Black Panther. So we turned around, obviously, we're not immediately going to get that brand. So the brand just fell in, into line, into, into place, uh, based upon a history of our involvement from Joe Namath and from Joe Namath to Action Jackson and from Action Jackson to Batman and then to Spider-Man, the, the Marvel group, as well as the DC group. Now, see, the, the thing that I think is is really interesting about the, the Mego figures, and, and again, you know, because of my age, I, I and, you know, we'll get into the, the kind of later history of, of the company as, as we go on, but I kind of missed the 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 initial wave of of you know Mego figures. It isn't it isn't until you know quite literally a few weeks ago that I I got my hands on a Mego figure for the first time. I've known about them, you know, known the history and everything. And one of the things that I found kind of mind blowing about the the figure, and something that I kind of always had an association with with particularly with three and three quarter inch GI Joes is, is the, the actual action figure system itself with like the, the, the O-rings and the, you know, the hooks and like the, the fact that there's those bands going through them. How did you guys initially go with that kind of design style when you picked the, the eight inch scale? Well, we have, we have, we have a whole, had a whole engineering group over at Hong Kong. There, there were other figures that were being made, uh, being made out of other materials that were not, the same quality that we wanted to, we wanted to make, but the, and and we we in that adaption portion uh, be, became a, a a involvement from a point A to point B to point C until we came up with what we wanted to do. We used Joe as a standard, uh, what, what, as, as the product. We wanted to have the same quality and feel as as, as the twelve inch GI Joe, but we wanted to be able to do it at a much lower price point, but have the same quality. And by having the costumes that we were already making on it, with it, we, we, we were that one step ahead because they, the GI Joe basically had the same costume in every one of its characters. Their, their, their strategy was then to sell additional costumes to dress, undress the characters, which is really not a, a, a male play pattern. That's a, it's a female play pattern. The male play pattern is to take one doll in one hand and one doll in the other hand and smack the daylights out of them. <laughs> and so, we, we, and so that was the, the response of how we how we operated. Um, one thing we also knew is that when we went out and started acquiring brands, we had to be first to market. Um, we, it wasn't just getting the brands; it was getting the brands in and getting the brands out quickly. Now, how, how, the only way to do that was to standardize the bodies. So we turned around and basically. Two sizes of bodies. We had a we had a 14 inch and we had an 18 inch. At that time, I think we, we had was was 12 inches, but we've we've increased the size in the next in the next go round. Uh, but all those bodies were standardized. So all we're really talking about doing is sculpting the head and putting and doing cut and sew, putting a body on it. That allowed us to get to market to the marketplace, literally uh, in 90 days. Wow! Uh, because you you know to to, to, to Sculpt the head and to build a rotational mold, maximum from from sculpting to to to, to finish tooling is sixty days. So if you're if you if you if you're going down that road, and that includes what they call the painting masks, so you can paint the eyes and the mouth and the eyebrows and that stuff. Uh, but if you're going down you're going down that road, um, simultaneously you're building the costumes, and since since it's all the same body, the patterns were basically the same. I mean, you know, you got 
maybe Shazam is red and Superman is blue and uh, Batman is black. But you look at those those patterns, the patterns to make the costumes were all, all basically the same. So the cut and sew part became really uh, the the uh, the expertise of, the, of, the, of our factories that we could we could reduce them that quickly. Uh, and we were not, you know, tied down by uh, unique and difficult, difficult patterns and or super type printing on, on on our costumes that would take additional time. So we could we could turn this we we turned very very fast. We, and that was one of our selling points to, to our license our licensors. You give us the product now, and you'll be making royalties for Christmas. And, uh, and that's why, with all intents and purposes, everybody fell into place. Uh, with uh, what we were doing. And by the way, when you talk about the G.I. Joe three-quarter-inch three figure, uh, or you're talking about the Star Wars three-and-three-quarter-inch figure, that standard is a standard that we started at Mego because what happened, I think it was 1974, there was a major oil crisis. And oil uh, and, and plastic comes out of oil, and the plastic prices literally doubled overnight. And we thought, based upon the pricing that we were, we were going to have, we would have to turn around and um, raise our prices so in the industry, it would damage the retail pricing. It would cut into our volume. So we went. that's when we went down to the three and three quarter in size. We, have a, we created a brand called the Comic Action Superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're they much smaller, but you know, you, you, it was all basically labor versus versus plastic. And having, having so we, we established another, another size. So we, have a, we had the three and three quarter in size. We had the eight inch size. We then had the twelve-inch size, and then we had we had a, we had a, we had a bigger size as well, for, for just to to give us a, the balance of, of price points and the, and capture uh, retail space. Now we've talked about the licenses, you know, uh, DC, Marvel, um, Kiss is another one that um, is really a, a kind of famous um, Mego license. Um, just kind of prove that all properties can be toyetic. How did you go about selecting some of those licenses? And um, were there any challenges or properties that were um, a little bit difficult to work with? Nobody was really difficult to work with. And, and KISS was probably the easiest to work with because they had zero licensing base when we, when we went after the license. It wasn't like everybody was banging on their door to go take these crazy musicians who were dressed up in costume uh, and uh, – create a license for them. Certainly not in, not in the action figure business. Uh, you know, they may have had some, uh, and I don't even think they had that because I think we were really the foundation of their, of their, their whole licensing program. Um, but what happened was, is again, you know, because I, I was so young and at that time when I was doing all this, I had young kids and uh, they, they, they literally uh, walked me through a lot of this stuff that, and, 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 Got me into the into that what we call that curve. It's almost like talking about these relationships. I collect relationships. Correct, collecting relationships is collecting experiences, and 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 that's something that you know you can't replace. So, my my son at that time, I, I think it was maybe six or seven. He said to me, "Dad, I want to go to a Kiss concert." And I said, "That's great. What is Kiss?" I was clueless. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea what Kiss was. Uh, he said, no, they're a big rock band. I said, what do you know about rock band? Oh, because they wear these crazy costumes. They had touched a chord for the younger younger male. Uh, and I'm talking about the six to 10-year-old. He might have been 10, by the way. I'm not, I'm not, uh, yeah, he, was, he was 10? 
Paul Sunday was 10. Uh, he was, uh, th- thank you, Paul. Um, uh, that uh, he, when, when I walked into Madison Square Garden, it was just him and I. His mother didn't go. Uh, what, what I saw was 20,000 people. Half of them were fathers and half of them were 10-year-olds. They were all there. I go, mm-hmm. whoa, but, but what am I missing? And by the way, that, that's what triggered some of the offbeat stuff that we did over the, over the course of the years. And so the minute I walked out of there, the next morning I was on the phone to their management. And it was like, you know, we, we, we literally made that contract with them probably in uh, 20 minutes because wow. they were looking for me before I was looking for them. They just didn't know who me was. You know, uh, it, uh, me could have been Mattel, me could have been, at that time, could have been Hasbro, could have been Remco, uh, could have been uh, uh, Transagram. I mean, those, those are the companies that existed at that day. Me could have been Kenna. It, me could have been anybody, but they couldn't find me. <laughs> I, found, I, I walked into their door. And it's such an iconic commercial, too, those, uh, that original Kiss doll commercial. Like, I can think of the jingle. <laughs> Kiss, that's the name. Kiss, the totally insane kiss. If rocks game, it's kiss. There we go. Uh, There it is. That's why why he's here. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean they're they're literally uh, not even figuratively. I mean they're 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 superhero rock stars. I mean it does it get more toyetic than a guy that calls himself the demon has an extremely long tongue and you know an axe or a bass guitar and wings. Ken- yeah. Kenneth, we're gonna make it a point anytime you're on where you have to talk about Kiss at least once. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be an ongoing theme for you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, um, it, 2018 saw the, the the relaunch of the Migo brand after being absent from the market for for about three decades. Um, how did you determine that that was the right time that 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 the world was ready for Migo again? What we don't know, and, I, and I, I'll give you a little update, is how many years ago we did the, do we do, do we do Star Trek? Uh, the, 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 the original Star Trek? No, not the original. What you and I did. Oh, that was 2007. All right, 2007. Um, Dr. Migo is sitting next to me, comes to me and says, we want to do Star Trek. So I said, gee, that's great. I mean, I, know, I, I, mean, I knew... You know, they're, they're just so you, we understand, there, there, there is a Migo convention. It's called MigoCon. Uh, it's held every every year uh, um, in 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 June. It had, obviously wasn't held last year, and won't be held this year. But we're going to try to push it out to um, uh, push it out to September. Uh, and you know, we, nowhere. You know, we're not talking about tens of thousands of people that go. It's a hardcore two, three, four hundred people who are who are Migo fanatics, um, and uh, Doctor Migo is one of the leaders of that convention, uh, and and him and another guy named Brian Hyland created something called the Migo Museum. It's an, I don't know if you've been on it, uh, but it's a digital museum, and mm-hmm. it, it, it talks about Migo across them. So he comes to me and says, I, "We want to do Star Trek." I said, "Great, what's that going to do with me?" He says, "Well, we want to do it with you." I said, "Why would you want to do it with me?" He says, "Because with our, what do you tell him? Without Marty, it's not Migo. It's got to have Migo. It's got to have Marty involved." So anyway, he turns around and says, "Let's go do it." And, and what happens is, we do. He does with me with Diamond Direct. Um, 
I guess it was hundred thousand. How many thousand pieces we sold? Uh, about thirty thousand. We sold about between thirty or forty thousand figures with 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 me on the packaging promoting the brand. It was shocking because you know, and that was the first inkling that I was going to do something. But what happened was I, I've had a pretty good career post Bigo. Uh, you know, uh, my team created the Power Glove. I don't know if you know what, know what the Power Glove is. But that was the first virtual reality product. You, could, you put a glove on your hand and you could move projects uh, in 3D space. You, you had an X, Y, and the Z axis. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the head-mounted displays that you see now, we were doing back in the 90s. Um, and we, and, and we, sold, the, we sold the power glove out of that, out of that head-mounted display concept to hook in with Nintendo. It was a $500 million piece of business. Um, we did another brand called Skydancer. Uh, which is a flying, a flying doll where you pull a string and it, it flies up 30, yeah. 40 feet, 40 feet in the air. I created mm-hmm. that as well. Uh, that did about $700 million worth of business. So I, I've had in the, in the product development area, a pretty good career post Migo. I did not want to go back and uh, get back into the Migo past because to me it was something I held sacred and I didn't want to screw it up a second time. You know, losing it the first time was was a disaster emotionally. Losing the second time would be horrific. Um, and so, although we had this great success, not only by the way with with um, Star Trek, but Paul also did with Diamond uh, Planet of the Apes, and that was very, very, very successful as well. And uh, you know, again, it helped me promoting the, the brand and, and, and making it work. But between that period of that ten year period of time. When we, when, when we did that, everybody was coming out with Migo-like product. In other words, they would create an action figure, they would dress it up, use the 14 points of articulation that we, that we did, replicated it, and would call it Migo-like. Mm-hmm. And it came to a point where that just, over a 10-year period, broke me down. So, okay, let's get back into the business. And that's what really, really pulled me back in was everybody using, and, I, and I'm talking, there was several millions of dollars. I don't know if it's tens of millions, but millions of dollars of business were sold under the brand Migo-like. So I had to clean that all up. I had to get everybody out of the Migo-like. No one could say that any longer because we own the brand Migo. Uh, and that's how we, how we got started. What, what, we got, what brought me back into it. You know the expression, I think, uh, Al Pacino said it best in uh, The Godfather 3. When I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Kenneth, um, in curating the section for uh, the selection for uh, Walmart's collectible section, how did Mego factor in? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, Marty covered it really well. Mego is a classic, right? That form factor alone is an icon, and getting the real deal was really important, right? We didn't want any of that Migo-like stuff in there, right? Um, And that the brand and the history gives so much credibility to building a collectible space, um, especially one focused on that adult collector, right? Uh, Because it's very much, they have that history and and the nostalgia element. Um, You know, and with that, you know, as we look at what Migo is and and what they stand for and what they bring, like as we work with with Marty and team, 
we really want to kind of celebrate the history of the brand and also use that classic form factor to bring like more contemporary characters to life. So kind of create these, these new takes on this classic or a classic take on the new, right? Um, and the, you know, the other thing that's really, really compelling about the, the, the Migo model is that the character design alone, right, with the, with the, the, the common bodies and, and the ability to kind of just focus on the heads and the clothes and the hands allows for this unique kind of flexibility so we can really create newness um, throughout like the year, which is really exciting. And it's something we haven't really had a chance to tap into yet, but I think that the opportunities as we keep going are really, really exciting. Well, it, I mean, it's awesome as a collector, like especially in, in that, that Walmart collectible section, you know, that, that's popping up in the, in, you know, it, within the entertainment section at Walmart's, um, it's really cool to see like that, that Migo logo and then something like you know, uh, like like Marty, you you know, you had mentioned Star Trek and Star Trek being you know an, an important um you know IP in Migos history, and now seeing figures for like Star Trek Discovery, right, and seeing like a show that's brand new, and seeing some of those characters, um, you know that that are are brand new to the the Star Trek universe and are you know brand new to people's 4K HDR you know tv sets and then you see this you know very retro uh and and, and perfectly vintage version of that figure and I, I i love that concept well and i think the packaging is is such a unique piece as well like i'm a i'm a packaging geek right like so i work i i, I get really focused on what it looks like on shelf and with migo it's so kitschy and nostalgic like some of the packaging is like this should not fly like it's just it's almost in the goofy level but it's it's just so on point for what Migo is that it's just it's like it's like a little time machine like on the shelf right like it doesn't look like you could almost picture like an old KB sticker on it um, <laughs> someone accidentally mm-hmm. put it in a new Walmart and that's what's so much fun about it yeah, there's something about the, uh, I guess it's like the ratio to like of like bubble to card, right? That it, it yeah, like your brain is like, huh, like, <laughs> but you know exactly what it is when you're when you know when you see it, and it it does make it stand out. That's that's a that's a really really good point. Um, so so overall, um, how how are people? Uh, and this kind of goes goes to to everyone here. How how are people um, responding to the the reintroduction of of Migo? Like the full like we're back. How 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 are people how are people uh, responding to it? Well, from our point of view, it's been extraordinary. I, you know, we 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 we, we, you know, we basically started um, eighteen months ago. Uh, it, oh, it came in 2018. That was specifically for one customer. And it was, it was it was a crossover brand because we we had to cut out a lot of the stuff that we knew was not Migo orientated. Um, but so I, I we're talking about when we first really the list out of the liver product um, was was last spring and summer, and then the development was the six months prior to that. So the response was just for, for us as, as I said it's been it's been overwhelming, um, and then we we we. we Create something called the Migo Ambassadors, and you know we uh, 
we you got to start with one ambassador. So who that whoever that one ambassador was has exploded. Now we get like almost ninety two hundred Mio ambassadors worldwide, and we're on our way to well this year we should hope then the year close to fifteen thousand because it's it's not just Mio is not just a brand in the U S. But it's 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 branding and it's, it's tracking in Canada, obviously, but it's tracking in France and in uh, England and uh, Benelux and in Spain and in Germany. We just literally delivered China, uh, which the media was never a brand in China, but because the way we're marketing it with all our crossover brands, so it's. Plan the Apes by Migo. It's, pla- it's Universal Monsters by Migo. It's Star Trek by Migo. It's all of this brand. And so when they, when, when the, the, the market over there is accepting it in that strategy. The, the, the Chinese market's jumped. We just opened up the, the Japanese market. Um, Australia. Two countries in, in South America which were, are, are in dire dire straits financially because what's going on with COVID, what's going on in the world economy. Uh, Argentina and Brazil both have taken shipments this year and have reordered. So <laughs> the sense the sense of what, what this brand can be over the next three to five years is, is pretty extraordinary. And by the way, without the help and the leadership of think threefold would take us an extra three years to get there. So we, you know, we saw that uh, superheroes and science fiction seem to be the two genres that Migo was really known for covering originally. Seems that horror is the new focus. So how have you selected the uh, intellectual properties in Migo's modern era? Interestingly enough, I'm going to let Kath handle that question because he's been a leader for <laughs> us and, and has directed us some of our best properties yeah this is this is definitely the fun part um as we look at like how that the space came together that they were they were building kind of for but once again for the adult collector um kind of going back to using the opportunity to introduce like iconic characters that aren't traditionally found in the kids aisle right like so we had a lot of fun this year with like Candyman and the creeper from jeepers creepers as well as a teen wolf um so these are like super fun icons that just have not been done in in toy format a lot right and so horror is such a such a fun space um you know done well it's it's kind of like a schoolyard for adults right like you know, and historically in mass, it's been dominated by, you know, you've got five to seven characters that have lived, that have just dominated, right? And I love Jason as much as the next, you know, horror geek, but, you know, I also go deeper than that. And what we've really started to uncover, um, you know, that's not necessarily what people have been asking for, it's just what's been available, right? So most fans of like a Friday the 13th will also gladly purchase like a my bloody valentine or a toxic avenger because it's just it's it's almost like a dna thing um so kind of diving into that horror as a whole it also has a lot of breadth to it but that's mostly untapped and that's where it really comes down to um finding those unique characters that just haven't been done that migo can kind of be the first in um 
in in a in in that in and out kind of exciting way um you know and you know a lot of it's untapped because a ton of the content was low budget and there was no licensing or merchandising deals even considered you know until now as licensing agencies are kind of gathering stuff up um and what we're seeing is when we drop an unexpected character like and when it gets out into the wild fans go nuts right like so it's really fun to see my favorite comment is like i can't believe they made that why would they make that right like that's just so much fun um you know we and we are looking you know beyond horror um we do have basically the way we have it kind of coordinated in stores is they have a horror specific slot and then like an entertainment specific slot. So it kind of gives us a little bit of flexibility and entertainment is where you th- see things like Ultraman and um, Star Trek and, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's still, you're gonna see both, um, but the ability to actually focus on horror is I think gonna create a really nice divide in character assortment um, and, and IP selection, like as it just keeps going. Yeah, I have to say that the so, you know, obviously the the news that Migo is coming back was exciting because of the the legacy of the brand and everything. But I have to say the the four that like really caught my attention and I'm so happy to to now have all four of these actually. Um so Ultraman because I mean, come on. It <laughs> per, per, like it's just per, it's perfect. Like if there was ever a thing that should have been a Mego toy when Ultraman was was out was was Ultraman. Yeah, when they made, um, when when we talked about that one, I was actually taken aback that they had never done that before. Right. <laughs> I you know, I actually I googled it cuz I was like, wow, this looks like it like it 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 looks like it should have been uh-huh. it like it looked like a reproduction of something that should have already been a Mego figure. Like that's how good that the like brand alignment was on that one that's right um so so ultraman um mask of the red death yeah because <laughs> it's like okay you know phantom of the opera uh you know iconic film but like a deep pull from <laughs> from that movie i mean just uh, unbelievable um and then uh hammer dracula because you can never have enough Christopher Lee in, in in toy form ever. And and by the way, I love that you guys are bringing Van Helsing, Peter Cushing's Van Helsing next. Very, 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 very excited for that one. And then the last one was Hannibal Lecter. And not just one Hannibal Lecter, but two different Hannibal Lecters, complete with the mask, complete with the straitjacket. Like, just again like to your point like four figures where it's like i i can't believe that these exist period but that they exist in 2021 yeah like i'm excited that you know i i have candy man like i would have never thought that there would have been a candy man figure and now i'm like well you know who else can we get and can there be more <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it got me even more fired up for like for the new movie that's come interesting enough to give you a quick a quick take on Ultraman. Ultraman has got the classic Ultraman, but so, there have been so many subsequent Ultramans over the years that we're going to be bringing out, as well as their evil alien miserable people. <laughs> Who? They're called Kaiju. Yeah, Kaiju. Yeah, Kaiju. <laughs> Paul, Paul's telling me 
And they're called kaiju. <laughs> yep, there you right? go. So I was I was searching for that word as all these other things came out. But <laughs> but what interesting enough, um, Ultraman is like Star Wars to here. Ultraman is the same way in China. Forget about Japan. Japan has run its course over the last X amount of years. It's, it's, it's over and over and over. And so it, literally in Japan, it's we call the resting time. But in China, because it's, it, the, 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 the culture has, has been so attuned to it and they've had nothing, nothing like it, it has just exploded for us in China. So which, which, which will give us the ability to make this brand much wider and deeper than if it was just we're going to do our, our selections here because we we'd roll them up. But now because of the manufacturing capabilities, we can we can we, we can do eight ten different characters and build around the process. Uh, and one of the things we started to think about, and I, um, is to do some unique environments. Mm. Um, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Bridge of the Enterprise, but when, yes. we, when we launched that, when we launched that, we sold. 850,000 pieces. And the key thing was the magic, literally the magic of the um, transporter room. Now, I have seen that particular mechanism in 30 or 40 different items over the last 30 years, replicating it, trying to accommodate, accommodate what we've accomplished with that. But it never had the, the imagination of what we created where you spin it out and it was gone where'd it go well what's the other planet that's not the, i mean it was actually <laughs> the back door you had to pull it out but it, it went down to you know to, to the bridge of the uh romulan spaceship so we're we're, we're we're in the process of building that i don't know if you remember the the treehouse for the planet of the apes we sold i mean that was one it, it, I, the year that we launched it uh that sold 40 that one item, 40% of the category. Everybody who bought a figure bought a treehouse. It was just, you know, in, in terms of, and, and that launched the whole area of, in, especially in preschool, treehouses for, for, the, for, the, for the, you know, the younger kid. My point is we know that there's, 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 there, are, there are play environments that we, we, we can bring out that can be very unique, especially now when we do limited quantities. And that's that's again our plan across the board. So, uh, as, as we as we start to look towards the future, it's not just the characters, but the environments that we can put these characters in, and and, and create almost a, a, a universe, an echo universe of characters, environments, uh, and other paraphernalia that, that brings in the whole Migo brand. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome because. I'm sure you, you know you guys are all very well aware of the the online community that has been built up over people just kind of showing showing off their toy displays or of course you know toy photography and you know having those you know what are effectively you know at the end of the day play sets but really they end up becoming diorama pieces and well, that's exactly what they are yes. and and people people love building these elaborate displays and, you know, and taking these, you know, professional level, you know, uh, having professional level photography sessions with, with, you know, action figures and, and, and play sets. And I, I think that that is, that's an incredible idea. Very exciting one too. Well, I'd say after uh, Paul will talk to you afterwards, he'll send you some of the videos that we've been making 
uh, exactly down that road to give you an idea of some of the, the things that we may be doing over over the next three to five years. Amazing. For sure. Um, so we have one question for you before we get into, we have a little Q and a where we, we put out uh, an Instagram story, um, asking our followers, uh, if they had any questions for you and we have a few, but, um, one last question before we get into that, uh, out of all of the brands and intellectual properties, um, you know, that, that you guys have worked with over the years and there have been a ton, um, is there one that you would love to take a stab at that you haven't yet? You gotta be kidding! <laughs> just one, just pick, pick. You could if you <laughs> you know the answer to that. You know the answer. To that. <laughs> I mean, I think I do. <laughs> you, if you don't know the answer to it, I'm not going to give it to you. Does it does it rhyme with bar chores? <laughs> <laughs> we are close. <laughs> well, well, you know, I mean, you, you, you know it. I mean, that was you know that's always been that. I've gone. I've gone to. The, I've gone to them twenty different ways to, because the, I had a, a whole marketing strategy it's called a what if. Yeah. And what if we did it versus them doing it, uh, and how we would have approached it? Because remember, they didn't come out with that brand for almost a year after the movie left, because they had to go out and rebuild a tooling from scratch. Yep. We would have been out with that product. Literally, when the movie was still in the theaters. Yeah, and I mean, talk about talk about what if. I mean, that would have completely upended and rewritten <laughs> the history of of toys and action figures. I mean, like, geez, that I mean, you're you're talking like I I don't know if if you guys um have been following uh Varner Studios, uh great sculptors um on on Instagram. They've done a lot of work for for Playmates toys over the years. And it's they're showing off a lot of the sculpts that they actually produced in the early 90s when um when they were also vying when Playmates was vying for the brand uh you know before the the eventual Kenner Hasbro relaunch. But um you know seeing I, I mean I would love I would love I don't know if you guys are can share any of it at this point, but it would be amazing to see like some of the stuff that you would have mocked up and like to, just to see those characters in that format. Like, oh, it'd close be so your cool. Eyes. Cl- cl- <laughs> close your eyes. Okay. And make your imagination because we did nothing. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here. Cl- I'm, I'm sitting here actually closing my eyes, waiting for like the next thing. And it, yeah. You're sitting in the store theater. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not with not with like a, the characters wouldn't have had like yellow lightsabers they would have been the right colors and you know and, and originally yeah that's i mean yeah that would have been that would have been absolutely out of this world wild wild stuff yeah also hashtag bar chores <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah bar chores all right dave do you want to do you want to kick us off with the you know, sometimes I have my moments, man. Sometimes I have my moments. Um, <laughs> make that a put that on a T-shirt. Uh, yeah. So, Dave, do you want to kick us off with the Q and A? I sure can, and I have um, a uh, handle that I can actually, you know, phonetically read this time. Um, so, at Eric von Eric um, asks, and spelled the same way as Eric, co-hosting this show. Um, would you consider returning to the 1970s style of packaging for figures? 
Yes. Well, there, there you go. There he is. There you go, fellow Eric. I, I love this. All right. Easy. Next one. Um, at why? Oh, man, I gave myself a difficult one here. At W Yarmel. Yeah, we're going to go with that. At W, that right. w Yarmel asks, um, when can we expect to see final shots of the new Planet of the Apes figures? Cornelius and Dr. Zayas are already in stores. So the next two are Caesar and General Ursus, and uh, they'll be showing up in the next week or so. Awesome. Look, I, so, so far, you guys are just two for two with like giving people what they want. Dave, keep, keep us going. At 3D Movie Man asks, would you love to see something like Mr. Barlow from Salem's Lot? Has that franchise been on your radar? Yeah. Yes, yes. It's the vampire from Satan's, uh, Salem's Lot looks like Nosferatu. Yes. So yes. we didn't want to do that. Yeah, we didn't want to jump into that. We just did Nosferatu. But further down the road, yes. Yeah, I mean that all all of those Stephen King licenses. Like, there's so many good characters. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I in reading that question, I'm just thinking of like all of the fun, like like a creep show line would be awesome with like mossy, like a mossy flocked version of Stephen King from from Creep Show. While we're talking about Creep Show and Stephen King, yeah, we always Jordy Verrill is another topic that we. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we keep going back to him. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Uh, I think, I th- Dave, I think that was the last one. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. All right. You, you, guys, you guys survived the fire round of, of, uh, <laughs> of Instagram questions. <laughs> um, so we kind of touched on this a, a, a little bit before we got into the Q&A. But before we wrap it up, um, you know, outside of building environments for these these toys and these characters to 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 live in um what's what's on the horizon for Migo? is is there anything else that you have in the works coming up that uh that you guys can share no no I mean, obviously we have a a string of stuff that's happening um which includes a range of different sizes and, and, and positions but we can't tell you that yet because we we're filtering through it now and Quite candidly, we got to sit down with Kenneth and get some of his input in the direction on, on finalization. Uh, and uh, but we're, we're we're playing out now all the way through 2023. Uh, wow, that's that, that that's the depth of both character involvement um, uh, as well as brand extensions and, and um, not just brand extensions but brand verticalization and. and and what that means and how we're going to be doing some stuff. Uh, you know, we can, we can visit and do one of these podcasts every six months and we'll give you updates of what's happening. So you guys, you get a sense of what the last one said. And here's where we are now. We alluded to it, but we didn't tell you about it. So, so I mean, if that's you agreeing to come on this podcast as a regular guest, every, like every six months, <laughs> we're so game for that. That's <laughs> Like, like, let's just, let's put it in the calendar now. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, please. Um, but you guys did, uh, did announce you're, you're bringing back the 14 inch scale figures, right? Those, those are that, yeah. that announcement. Yes. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, I can't wait to see those in person. Dave. So this brings us to our, our final question. Would you, would you like to put on your James Lipton hat and, uh, and bring us on home? Yes. Now, Kenneth, you answered this last time. 
Um, but before we let you go, um, Paul and Marty, we finish every interview with this last question. Um, and it could be either one or both. So keep that in mind. What is your favorite and or strangest piece in your collection? I know it. My, 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 my piece is I, I've got a single piece, only one in the world. And that's because my brother lost his piece. Uh, but out of, out of an original Planet of the Apes head, we mold, my father molded for both of us. Because, you know, he lived in Hong Kong for 15 years running the factories. A solid gold Planet of the Apes Caesar head. And it's, on a, it's just so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, my strangest piece is an eight-inch Marty Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Is, All right. Is your eight-inch Marty Abrams mint on card though? <laughs> no, it's it's loose. It's spreading around my house loose. <laughs> All right. All right. I you know I would Marty I would love to see I would love to see the, uh, the the golden head if you if if you ever are able to share a picture of that we'd I'd love I'd love to share it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have not shown it to anybody. Uh, outside of people who come to the house, because uh, if that's you know what, what happens is all of a sudden that becomes real, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, first of all, the, the gold itself is because gold has gone so high. Is you know, it's, it's is, true. Is, yeah, is, is, you know, I mean, you know, and uh, but the other side of it is it's 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 one of a kind. Uh, so you know, in that context, so I I, I don't I don't even tell people about it. But I. And you guys are so cool that I figured I'd give you a little insight about something that no one else knows about. Oh, that's awesome. Well, oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for, for, uh, for trust entrusting us with that, with that, uh, that share. That's, that's an, that is an awesome story and it's, it's an awesome piece. Um, before we guys, we let you guys go. Um, just let us know where, where where can we find you on on the internet? Where can we learn more about Migo and where can we learn more about think threefold? Well, MigoFigures.com, uh, MigoMuseum.com, and uh, Facebook, Migo Ambassadors. There's a Migo Corp Facebook page, but Migo Ambassadors is the most fun. It's a lot of interaction between fans. Yes, the Migo community is, a, is, a, is an awesome one to, uh, to, to poke around in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kenneth, remind us, where can we, where can we hook up with uh, Think Threefold on, on the interwebs? So we're on Instagram under Collection Obsession Official, and then we have a website, CollectionObsession.com. That's where you can find out what's coming. We're we're posting stuff all the time, and we we interact with people regularly and directly. Um, and then, of course, you know, a lot of our stuff is at Walmart.com/slash/collectibles is where you see it, see a lot of it. There's even a Mego showcase up right now um, that has some of exclusive items, and it even has that Ultraman on there. So if you don't have one. It's a good way to get it. <laughs> and uh, and if and if you guys want to, if if uh, listeners out there, you want to get a little bit of an idea of you know hands on with a with a Mego figure, and you haven't yet, you can check out uh, our review of three different Mego figures. We'll we'll put the link to that in the description, uh, and we have that up on our YouTube as well. Um, they are awesome. As if as if you couldn't tell, we liked them before listening to this entire show. Let, let me assure you. 
they're super cool figures. So, uh, Marty, Paul, Kenneth, thank you guys so much for joining us on Adventures in Collecting. Uh, you guys have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us today. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen, and then tell your friends to do it. Thanks also to Joe Azari, the golden voice behind our intro. Our music is Game Boy Horror by the Zombie Dandies. Find more about them both in our show notes. Follow us on social media at AIC underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Stop by and say hi. Show us your toy hauls and share your toy stories. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Don't try this at home. Void where prohibited and some assembly required. Each sold separately, not a flying toy. Consult a physician if your toy run exceeds more than four hours. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 